People are not engaged when they don't matter. People are not engaged when they're not heard, valued, and appreciated. This is the Military Sherpa Podcast. Left, right, left leadership insights from America's best. With your Military Sherpa, Mark Tilsher. Welcome back, everyone. What's going on? I am here in my studio. I got my red shirt on. My red festive lights for those of you watching in video. You can see it's a big difference from my normal blue. I'm excited. My family and I have been just taking full advantage of Christmas and everything that the holiday season has to offer. And I just hope that you're having some time right now to take with your family, to relax, to to, to spend time on what's truly important. And if nothing else happens for you this season, then just taking a second to breathe, to hug your loved ones, and to share how much you care for them. Uh, This will be a good year. So end the year strong. And as we head into 2023, man, I'm so excited for everything that we have going on and all the ways that I'm going to be hanging out with all of you. So got a lot of trips planned, which I haven't done in quite a while. And uh, hopefully I'll be coming to see you as well. Well, today I'm going to talk about a question that I got when I was teaching a webinar just the other day. So I got a question. And the question was about our uh, performance indicators, communication, relationships, alignment, execution, and capacity. Now, as you know, we do our development attacking the problems in order. We start with communication, then relationships, alignment, execution, and capacity. And all of the things that we do are data-driven. We make data-driven professional development decisions. We don't just shoot in the dark, right? So we use our Invincible Teams assessment. There's 70 questions, and they're spread across those five different areas. And so we get a good idea of what's truly going on so that we can focus our attention. And when I teach communication relationships, alignment, execution, and capacity, I get lots of head nods and I get lots of, yeah, this is great. And I, I no one ever really asks a lot of questions. And, and someone asked a really great question the other day, and it was, why not alignment first? And, <clears throat> excuse me, and that flew in my face because for me, it's intuitive. I'm a highly intuitive voice. I'm one of the most intuitive people that you'll probably ever meet. And I I don't say that as a positive thing. Like I legit don't talk with very many words, you know, to the the people that spend most of their time with me. I don't speak in, in complete sentences because everything in my head is this big picture. And I figure everybody else around me already knows it. And I don't ask a lot of questions because when you're talking, I fill in the gap. So I often cut people off and I, I step up, but I'm very intuitive. So when I see things, they just make sense to me. And I never imagined that anybody would look at the performance indicators, communication, relationships, alignment, execution, and capacity, and actually think, well, those are out of order because they just make sense to me. They're as clear as one, two, three, four, five. But then when they gave me the meat behind their question and they said, well, you know, when you're a new commander and you go into a squadron, you've got a very limited amount of time. So you want to hit the ground running. You got to start with alignment or you got to get everybody on the same page so that you can move forward. Then you work through your communication, relationships, alignment, execution, capacity, all of those other issues. And it's like, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. You're not going to want to waste time as a commander. You're not going to want to waste time when you get to a new organization. But that's a, a unique scenario that we in the military specifically find ourselves in once every couple of years, right? We PCS. And if we're in a position of leadership, it's almost like we're starting all over again. And so I was able to, to navigate that question. And where I went in my mind was, well, let's picture yourself sitting at a meeting and you want to have an alignment step. All right, let's talk about, we're going to do a two-day offsite. We're going to do a little bit of professional development. We're going to cast some vision, talk about what our priorities should be. And then we're going to all, you know, put our hands in the middle and say, go team. And we're going to go back to our respective corners and do our, our respective jobs. 
And that that's very common. Like this happens in the military, at least yearly, if not quarterly on each team. Or at least each uh, mid-level team, right? Mid-level management. And the thing that came to my mind was like, okay, well, that's great. You can do that and, and, and have a great time and you need to do that and you should do that. We just did that on my team. But here's the question. If relationships on your team suck, what is that going to feel like? If everyone in the round the table doesn't get along, they all hate each other. They all resent being there. Nobody wants to take time away from work because we're wasting time doing this two-day event. Nobody wants to do this team building activity. Yay, we're going to do a ropes course. We're going to hate each other before we get there. We're going to hate each other after we're done. What's the point? What is that alignment meeting going to feel like? You fill in the gaps. I'm not going to elaborate. But what is it going to feel like? Not great. How productive do you think it's going to be? What about if communication sucks? What if your team doesn't speak? Or when you do speak, people don't feel heard, valued, and appreciated. One person speaks, the other person counters them. They go back and forth. Maybe you have clicks on your group and they tend to go back and forth with each other. The loudest voice wins so the quieter people don't present their concerns. And you're a new commander and you come in and you've got an idea. It's already been tried. It's already been failed. Or there's reasons that it's not going to work. But people at the table don't speak and they don't tell you those reasons. And so you spend your two years in command fighting through problems that you didn't know were there that you could have mitigated had you known about them. Politics, issues, rules, regulations, special circumstances, team dynamics, all of these things. So if people are not speaking, if relationships are not strong, then your alignment step will never be what it could be. And you personally have to decide what type of leader you want to be, what type of organization that you want to run. And I'll never forget one of my favorite stories, and and not favorite in a positive way, but one of my favorite stories is I was doing something for Mildenhall, and I had a group of people, about I think there was about 10, maybe 11 section chiefs. They were all master sergeants, all E7s. And we were coaching them through how to use our tools. And we start, we were starting with uh, invincible teams, right? So the idea was going to be that they were all going to load their teams into our platform and take the assessment. The leaders would take the assessment first. And then the following week, they would have their subordinates take the assessment. And one of the leaders came in and he took his assessment and I could see everybody's results. So I pulled their results up on the screen and I pulled his up. And I looked at his assessment and it was 100 out of 100 in communication, 100 out of 100 in relationships, 99 in alignment, 100 in execution, and 99 in uh, capacity. Like those were the scores he gave his team. And I, I was, I thought that he just like Christmas treed the test, right? Just perfect, perfect. Just went down the line and just said strongly agree for everything just, just because he didn't want to do it. And I was prepared for that conversation. But what actually happened was I came in and, and I'm sitting across from, or not sitting across, I'm on Zoom and I'm looking at his face like, okay, tell me about your scores. Like, did you Christmas tree this thing or what's going on? And he's like, no, my team's perfect. And I was like, wait, your, your team is perfect? Like, what do you mean? He's like, no, we're an invincible team. Our team is, is literally perfect. Like, I wouldn't change anything. And I was like, wow. I said, okay, so next week you're going to have your team take the assessment or this week you're going to have a team take the assessment. When you come back, if your team truly scores like this, we're going to want to bring a camera crew over and like see your meetings and how things run because we've never encountered a team with those kind of scores. The average is 57 roughly percent globally. The first time a team takes invincible teams, the average is about 57% out of 100. The average team is, isn't, isn't hitting 60. And so he had two more people take the assessment. And the only reason I know that is because I, I looked, right? I logged into his account and I, I saw and two people took the assessment and his scores went from 100, 199, 199 
to like 62, 60, 63, and I never saw him again. We had like six more coaching sessions on the calendar. He never came back. Never. And I don't know if you can do this kind of math in your head, but if he scored his team as 100 and two additional people took the assessment and the assessment came out at 60, then his teammates were scoring his team at roughly a 30. Like it was somewhere in that 30 range where they were scoring him. And so here he is in this position of leadership. He thinks everything's great. He has his alignment meeting. He sits down at his, his conference table. He's got all of his sub leaders sitting around the table. And he's like, all right, teammates, here's what we need to do this month, this week, this year. What do you think? And everybody's like, yes, sir, we agree. And they all go out and they do the thing he told them to do. So he's like, man, my team is 100. We're killing it. And his teammates are sitting at the table saying, I'm miserable. I'm crying on the way to work. I hate my job. I hate my boss. We're a 30 out of 100, 30. He had a huge gap, not only in self-awareness, but in others' awareness. He had no idea what his team was actually experiencing. He has no idea what it's like to be on the other side of him. And he never had anybody else take the assessment, right? That was it. He closed, the, he closed it out. He was done. He didn't want to know. He wanted to focus on alignment. He had no interest in communication and relationships and ensuring that everyone on his team felt heard, valued, and appreciated, which means his team will never reach its potential, ever. And it's not touchy-feely. It's not about morale. You can direct all you want, but if all you do is direct and get bobbleheads on the other side of you, your team will never reach its potential. And the data says that, not me. People are not engaged when they don't matter. People are not engaged when they're not heard, valued, and appreciated. Google calls it psychological safety. It comes from Project Aristotle. You've heard me talk about it a million times because it's important. Well, Gallup did a study in 2016. Why should we care about psychological safety, right? Who cares? Gallup did a study in 2016. It's called The Relationship Between Engagement at Work and Organizational Outcomes. And ultimately, it's about this idea of engagement. How do managers create engagement? Engaged employees are working efficiently. They have the company's best interest at heart. They're taking care of each other. They've got your six. They've got your back. They're, they're coming in early, staying late when it's required. They're happy. They're healthy. They want to be there. They're invested in the outcome. They want the team to win. And that may very well be the, the best definition is that engaged employees want the team to win. They want everyone to succeed. They have the team's best interest at heart. And what they found in this Gallup study is that they asked two different questions and they did the strongly agree to strongly disagree scale. And these two questions were, the first one was, I feel like I can talk with my manager about non-work related issues. And then the second question was, I feel I can approach my manager with any type of question. Now, on the first one, I feel like I can talk with my manager about non-work related issues. If you strongly agreed with that statement, these number, the first number might not sound too high, but if you strongly agreed with that statement, 55% of the people on the team were engaged. 55% of the team were trying. They had the team's best interest at heart. They wanted the team to win. They wanted the best for the team. They were giving their all. 7% were actively disengaged, which means that, hey, if you said, I feel like I could talk to my manager about non-work-related issues, about seven out of 100 people were still trying to actively sabotage the organization, right? Like stealing time, stealing resources, dragging on projects, not doing their job, uh, silent quitters, right? We're in that 7%. And then in the middle there, you're looking at roughly 30-ish percent. We're just kind of doing what they had to to not get fired. Now, if you flip that and you say, I, I feel like I can talk with my manager about non-work related issues and people answer no to that question, 
Well, that really changed things. 8% of people who said, no, I don't really feel like I can talk to my boss about non-work stuff. 8% of people said they had the organization's best interest at heart. 8% of the people said they were engaged. But 56% actively disengaged actively sabotaging, dragging their feet, stealing time, stealing resources, actively disengaged, trying to sink the ship while they're in it. If you add those two numbers up, you get roughly 64%. So about 36% of people are doing enough not to get fired. 8% are really working their butts off and 56% are trying to sink the ship. Now, there was a second question. I feel like I can approach my manager with any type of question. If you answer yes to that, I think I could talk to my boss about any question 54% of people said, yeah, I'm engaged. I'm really trying. I'm giving everything that I've got. I want the team to win. 6% are trying to sink the ship from the inside. You can't make everyone happy. But 6% will be overcome. So if you look at those two, that's 60%. So about 40% of the people are doing enough not to get fired. 50% are killing it. And 6% are trying to sink the ship. But if you change that and you say, I feel like I can approach my manager with any type of question, you answer no to that. 1% of people are giving their best. 1% out of 100 1%, 1%, 10 out of 1,000 are actually giving their best. 65% are trying to sink the ship from the inside. If you create an environment where people don't feel like they can ask any type of question sitting around the table, 65% of people are waiting you out or actively sabotaging you. They are actively disengaged. Actively is a very strong word. Those two questions alone give us a litmus for how our people are really doing. Can I talk to my boss about non-work stuff? And can I talk to my boss about anything, any type of question? If the answer to those are yes or no, that has a tremendous impact on the performance of your team. If you have a team that, that is actively disengaged, 56%, 65%, six out of 10 people at the table want the team to fail. They want to keep collecting a paycheck, but they hate you. Have your alignment meeting. Go nuts. Direct them to do what they want and hold them ruthlessly accountable and you may get the bare minimum. But the odds are, because there are six of them and one of you or or 60 of you and 100 of them or what, you know, 60 of you and 1,000 of them, sorry. Well, then the odds are that they're going to overwhelm you with their malfeasance. They're going to overwhelm you with their non-compliance. And so you, you, you sacrifice communication and relationships at your peril. Shoot for alignment first, and a fraction of the team will support you. The majority of people will work against you, and a small percentage will do the bare minimum. I've waited leaders out. I know you have. I've looked a lieutenant in the eye and said, look, you can continue on this path. I will wait you out, and you'll be gone. You're not going to be here that long. You're going to be here six months. I'll wait you out. And that's very sobering, because what is he going to do? I can do the bare minimum. And wait him out. He'll never accomplish his goals. He'll never look good in front of his boss. And I have ways of failing that that aren't really attributable to me as a person. Right? It's just, just stuff happens. Right? Deadlines shift. And so we inherit teams that sometimes communication relationships are not strong. So sometimes you're a commander and you go into an organization and maybe communication relationships aren't strong and you got to get moving. So what do you do? Right? Maybe I inherit a team. It's like, I want alignment to be the first step. I need to sit down. I don't want to waste two years. I don't want to waste six months. Two years goes by quick. Your first step has got to be trying to figure out what the dynamics are and get to work. And how do we do that? Well, we're going to start with one-on-ones with the people that we lead directly. 
Talk to me. What's going on? Tell me about the inner dynamics. Who's your rival? What's going? What does it feel like in the room when somebody presents a controversial idea? How do y'all handle conflict? How do you wrestle through tough problems that no one agrees on? Have that conversation with everyone. One-on-one. Just sit down and have that. What is the dynamics of the team like? I need to know. Where there's problems between two individuals, have some mediation sessions. Hey, teammates, I hear y'all have some, some, some difficulties working together. I don't want that to be the case. So let's work it through. At a bare minimum, y'all have to have a good working relationship. So let's, let's sort it out. Talk to me. Talk to them each individually up front, right? What are the big barriers for you? What would you like to see? Then when you sit down together, you at least know where each of them is coming from. So we do one-on-ones. We do mediation sessions. We do things like five voices to really get the ball rolling where you can say, oh, man, this isn't that they're a bad person. It's just a weird nemesis voices. I have no idea. Let's work through that. Team building. Those things are, are legit. And then start working on real issues, things like unmet expectations and pent-up frustrations that weren't addressed by previous leadership. A good way to start is to ask everyone to give you their top three. What were three things you would change if you were in my position? What are three things you want me to work on? What are three things that I can fix? And you compile that list and you can start saying, well, five people said this and three people said that and 10 people said this and start knocking out the stuff that's going to have the greatest impact. And some of them will have cascading effects. Hey, if I work on this, it impacts the other three. And the second step is building trust. And one of the fastest ways that you can build trust is fix things people hate. It's called dissatisfaction with the status quo. And it's one of the fastest and best things that you can do on a leader as a leader is get out there and start figuring out what people hate. Hey, what would most people say that they don't like about past leadership? Hey, what do you think I have the power to fix? And that's a re- I really love that question. What do you think I have the power to fix? And I said, well, I think you could fix this. Hey, we've got this issue. And I think you start asking people, what do you think I have the power to fix? And you'll start, they'll, they'll inadvertently tell you what it is that they want you to do, right? Because you're not asking them to rat anyone out. You're not asking them to tell you what, you're not asking them to complain. You're just saying, hey, what do you, what do you think I have the power to fix? We all have time constraints. We all have deadlines. We all have visions. We all have goals. And you can't put the mission on hold. I understand that. I really do. But, but the degree to which you, you prioritize communication and relationships is the degree to which you're going to get engaged members that fight for the highest possible good of the organization rather than themselves. Communication and relationships is how we get after the silent quitter problem. If you want alignment, if you want execution, if you want capacity, you got to get after communication and relationships. All right, teammates, I'm going to wrap it up. I got to get going. Uh, make sure that you go out. If you don't already have a copy of my book, book.marktilsher.com, The Leader's Garden, How to Grow Healthy, High-Performing People. It's all about how we scale caring and taking care of people in a practical way. You can just go to book.marktilsher.com, search for The Leader's Garden out on Amazon. You'll find it out there. That's where it is. But go out there and grab a copy. If you have a copy, buy one for your team, your coworkers. Merry Christmas. It makes a great Christmas gift. All right, teammates, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Military Sherpa Podcast with Mark Tilsher.